Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, June 12, 2018, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. Our next Starseed Quest to Arkansas will be August 17th through the 20th for the Harmonic Convergence Anniversary. You'll need at least one galactic marking, which is 25, 26, or 27 degrees of any sign on your natal chart in order to be eligible. And you can write to crystals at starseedhotline.com for more info. Our special guest this evening is Ann Crawford, who is a world-traveling, high-flying, deep-diving, life-loving, all-literally prolific author. Life in the Hollywood Lane is her fifth book, and trademark optimism for life and love shine through in this inspiring story that reminds us all that no matter what the question, love is always the answer. She's also the author of The Mystical Spellweaver, the romantic comedy Angels on Overtime, Mary's Message, the story of Mary Magdalene and Yeshua ben Yosef, and Visioning, how to create the life of your dreams and a world that works for us all. Anne has two more books due out in the next year or so. She's an award-winning filmmaker, humanitarian, and website producer, and lives with her family in Colorado. You can visit her website at Anne Crawford, A-N-N-C-R-A-W-F-O-R-D dot net. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to Starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. And we'd like to thank Jada, Fiona, and Kathy for hosting the switchboard tonight for those who may have a question or comment for our guest. We have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com. And it's a safe place to connect with other starseeds, thanks to Tammy's helpful dedication. You can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk Radio. And if you'd like to show your support of our program, please click follow on our page here, and you'll get our weekly show notices. The toll-free number for starseedhotline.com is 888-881-0881. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings in your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. For those who need healing of any kind, emotional, physical, or spiritual, for yourself or your pets, Tammy's powerful remote sessions will make a difference for you. And if you have a birthday coming up, you don't want to miss out on your 10 hours of power, do you? You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And please keep in mind that you want, if you want an interpretation of that chart, you'll need to order it about three months ahead of your birthday because we do have a waiting list. So first this evening, I would like to introduce Anastasia with her fascinating Starseed News. Well, good evening, Ariel. Good evening, Starseed listeners. Great to be with you want to let you know we're having a pretty bodacious thunderstorm at the moment, so here's hoping our power stays on so I can deliver you the news. And there's <coughs> lots of news. Let me tell you what, not enough, in, not enough time to cover all that's happened in the last week, that's for sure. 
Well, a steam explosion spread ash, ash fall out. <laughs> Let me start over. <laughs> a steam explosion has spread ash fallout at Kilauea Summit nearly 40 days after that initial eruption. It happened on Sunday. The explosion was equivalent to a magnitude 5.4 quake. Now, the steam explosion spewed ash plumes over the southernmost district of the Big Island. Hawaiian Volcano Observatory reports that the eruption continues in the lower East Rift Zone. Fissure 8 continues to produce a large channelized flow that is entering the ocean at Kapoho Bay and producing a large lays plume. And by the way, that when the winds shift, the trade winds shift, that lays plume heads north over the other islands in the chain. So it is spreading, and it's a very large plume when seen from satellite. Now, according to the County of Hawaii Civil Defense Agency, severe conditions may exist, such as the inability to breathe and choking. The agency said this is a serious situation that infects, affects the entire exposed population. And again, when the trade winds shift, people that aren't normally exposed become exposed. There are 600 families involved in this, and the farmers, and the ranchers, and all of the employees uh, of these people, according to the Hawaii County mayor. Now, the mayor's home was also destroyed by the volcano, and they're experiencing economic effects from this in that region. And the lava that continues to spew from Kilauea has reached a new high temperature of 2,140 degrees Fahrenheit. They tell us, uh, the scientists with the USGS has said, quote, this is the hottest lava we have seen during this eruption. Lava can't get any hotter than it is right now. Sulfur dioxide emissions coming from a number of ground fissures caused by the active volcano still remain elevated. The pungent chemical compound can cause respiratory problems in low doses and can be deadly when found in large concentrations. And that's not all about volcanoes. We have a number of them erupting over the planet. New ones from last week. The Great Sitkin Volcano in Alaska is showing elevated quake activity and a probable steam explosion. Seismicity at Great Sitkin Volcano was at elevated levels over the last five days, according to the Alaskan Volcano Observatory. Uh, the activity was followed by what may have been a short-lived uh, steam explosion that was detected only by seismic data. Now, the Alaska Volcano Observatory has raised the aviation color code to yellow and the alert level around that volcano to advisory. And Yellowstone Steamboat Geyser has now erupted eight times in less than three months. This has scientists very intrigued. Now, this steamboat geyser is famous, and it holds the record for the tallest active geyser in the world. But when it starts acting unusually, it does become news, as it is today. Now, the steamboat has always been erratic with its eruptions, as geysers are known to be. They just come and go. Sometimes many years pass between two separate eruptions, but not recently. Since March 15th, there have been eight major eruptions, and scientists are wondering, scratching their heads, about this change in behavior. The website for the USGS states that, quote, Steamboat has proven more active during the early 21st century than at any time since the early 1980s. Between 1990 and 2000, there were no large eruptions. However, since May 2000, Steamboat has had 10 significant eruptions. And recall now what I just read to you earlier. Since March, there have been eight. 
meaning that since 2000 to March of this year, there have only been two. The wow. steamboat is located in an area of the park known as, known as the Norris Geyser Basin, Basin, which is notorious for being a hot location with high thermal variability. It is located at two major fault lines that intersect with the ring fracture zone that delineates the Yellowstone caldera. Now, this is uh, something that is erupting, and they're watching it. They say that erupting patterns are affected by changes in pH and water level and temperature, but they have no idea what the exact link is to the increasing eruptions at Steamboat, and they're keeping an eye on it. And there are other volcanoes going on. But we're going to move right now to other kinds of weather. Uh, a hurricane bud. I just thought that was sort of humorous. A hurricane bud. Well, that's what they've named it. They call it a major hurricane. It's threatening western Mexico with rainfall on top of areas that have already been flooded. Major hurricane bud continues to strengthen and will threaten western Mexico with flooding rainfall later this week. Bud became the second major hurricane of the season in the East Pacific Basin yesterday morning, less than a week since former Hurricane Aleta passed over similar areas. This hurricane is going to track north-northwest over the next several days, keeping the powerful uh, tropical storm off the coast of Mexico. However, they say it's going to bring heavy rainfall to the country. Uh, These conditions that now exist, uh, the warm ocean water, combination of low wind and shear, Uh, low wind shear and moist air have uh, caused bud to reach category four status this morning with winds of 130 miles per hour they say that it may however weaken later this evening well um with regard to what might be considered global cooling we have had some pretty unusual summer early late spring early summer weather There has been very unusual June snowfall in Glen Allen, Alaska, up to eight inches. That's over a half a foot. Happened late last week. The Eureka Lodge got six to eight inches of snow. The lodge sits above 3,000 feet, 3,000 feet. It's high enough, they say, that June snows aren't out of the ordinary, but they say it's unlikely. And to get this much snow is very unlikely. And this little lodge is located about 120 miles south of Anchorage. And June in Montana. The calendar says it's mid-June, but on Saturday, much of the region experienced temperatures that soared into the 90s, but there was a turnaround. A a strong cold front moved in late Saturday night, dropping temperatures in parts of Montana by as much as 30 degrees on Sunday and Monday. A higher elevation areas fell well below the freezing mark. He said that there's been light snow falling on and off. Temperatures hovering around 32 degrees. Uh, Big Sky Resort south of Bozeman along the Beartooth Pass has also experienced snow in this week of June. Rare snowfall has also occurred in Santiago, Chile. Very rare snowfall. The icy weather is unusual in Chile, where the average uh, maximum temperature uh, this time of year is uh, 16 degrees Celsius. In fact, just three days ago, the temperature was up to a balmy 21 degrees Celsius. But over the past few days, temperatures crashed dramatically, and yesterday, there was snowfall. Now, one has to wonder how this 
relates to the increased uh, volcanic activity and all of that ash in the air certainly have to contribute to cooling temperatures and weather changes. And as I've talked to you about, talked with you about before, there's lots of uh, volcanic activity going on the planet right now. It's bound to affect the weather, bound to affect the temperature. Inevitable. Well, out of Africa, we have a story that environmentalists are paying attention to. They say that Africa's oldest and largest baobab trees are suddenly dying after thousands of years of existence. Now, in South Africa's Limpopo province, a baobab tree once grew so large and stood so strong that human neighbors decided to do the obvious. I don't think it's so obvious, but they did. It's really cool, you guys. They built a pier, a, a pub, a little beer house, inside of this living tree, inside of its thousand-year-old hollow trunk. They put a bar, which measured more than 150 feet around and enclosed two interconnected cavities. Now, for decades, this uh, tree, this Sunland Baobab, attracted tourists uh, that wanted to go inside the tree and knock back a pint. But in August of of 2016, one of the monster stems forming the interior wall cracked and collapsed. And eight months later, another huge chunk trough toppled over, and now five of the giant sunland stems have collapsed and died, leaving only half of the tree standing. Well, you know, that could sound like maybe a consequence of human visitation, but they say what happened to that tree is part of an alarming trend. A startling high percentage of the oldest, largest baobabs in Africa have died within the last 12 years. And this report and this concern was reported today in the journal Nature Plants. What's happening to the baobab trees in Africa? Hey, this is a wild story. Back to volcanoes again, but this time it's not about explosions. The Kilauea volcano causes magnetic field distortion It sends compasses in crazy directions. Wow. Mount Kilauea, the erupting volcano, has a magnetic field which flows in the opposite direction to the rest of the planet. And scientists have just discovered this. This is a really bizarre finding, that compasses are sent into an uncontrollable spin. Locals had linked this phenomenon to Hawaiian folklore, which attaches deep spiritual significance to the massive volcano that is, they say, almost one million years old. But now the reason for the magnetic voltifos has been explained, and it's even more mind-blowing. According to geologists, the molten rock below Mount Kilauea caldera contains vast amounts of iron and is effectively a sea of floating magnets. About 780,000 years ago, the rock cooled, and simultaneously the Earth's magnetic field inexplicably flipped. The South Pole became the North, and the North Pole became the South. But the sea of iron magnets below Mount Kilauea were now cooled and trapped in what was now solid rock, with their poles facing the opposite way to everything else on the planet. Studies into lava flows both below and above the Earth's surface are slowly unlocking the reason why the planet's field flips every so often. A geology professor at the University of Wisconsin-Madison who investigates lava flow magnetic fields has said, quote, when the lava flow erupt, 
when the lava flows erupt and cool in the Earth's magnetic field, they acquire a memory of the magnetic field at that time. It's very difficult to destroy that in a lava flow once it's formed. You then have a recording of what the paleo field direction was like on Earth. This professor went on to add that the flip occurs during periods of declining strength of the Earth's magnetic field and that the planet is rapidly approaching another one. A co-researcher at the Polytechnic State University at San Luis Obispo and you um, uh, and a partner to this man that's been researching these fields are now focusing on rocks that contain evidence of the main north-south field that is weakened, which is one sign that the polarity may flip direction. One of these researchers said, quote, current evidence suggests that we are now approaching one of these transitional states because the main magnetic field is relatively weak and rapidly decreasing. While the last polarity reversal occurred several hundred thousand years ago, the next one might come within only a few thousand years, or maybe sooner. My editorial comment. He goes on to say, <laughs> right now historic records show that the strength of the magnetic field of Earth is declining very rapidly. From a quick back-of-the-envelope prediction, in 1,500 years the field will be as weak as it's ever been and we could go into a state of polarity reversal. All of this because they found this rock on, or they found, discovered this uh, magnetic opposition at the Kilauea volcano. Fascinating stuff. Wow. And uh, we've had some earthquakes in unlikely places. A small earthquake hit western North Carolina. They say it hit a county in North Carolina mountains on Saturday evening. Excuse me, I beg your pardon, on Sunday evening. It was a 2.6 magnitude quake. It was in Wilkes County, less than a mile from the town of Hayes, according to the USGS. And the earthquake was also felt in Blowing Rock. Sounds cool. About 40 miles away. Quake hit in the evening at, the, at a depth of 4.3 kilometers. And uh, a website post said that they heard a loud boom. Other people on Facebook said that they heard two loud booms associated with this small quake. And in Oklahoma, northern Oklahoma, they had a 4.4 earthquake that shook them up. Uh, according to the USGS, it shook along the parts of northern Oklahoma and neighboring Kansas happened Saturday, about 16 miles east of Cherokee, about 100 miles northwest of Oklahoma City, recorded at a depth of five miles. So we're rocking and rolling here on this planet, lots of stuff. And there's so much more to report, but we're out of time, so I'm going to leave you with a quote. George Bernard Shaw said, Life isn't about finding yourself. Life is about creating yourself. <laughs> and that's not news to our star seats. That's what they're all about. So from my heart to yours, to each one of you, much love. Have a beautiful week, everyone. And thank you so much for being here on planet Earth with me and all the rest of us. Love to you. And love to you, Ariel Lavendar. Oh. See you next week. Thank you. Thank you so much, Anastasia. You did a great job, and we really appreciate it. You're so welcome. Okay. So uh, we will now um, be going to Lavendar, and and then we will bring um, Anne on. But Lavendar has something that she wants to uh, present. Just let me. F we have a lot of people on the switchboard, and I'm looking. Well, there you are, Lavendar. Okay, let me get that mic open. Okay.
Babindar? Yes. Well, some time ago, um, Gloria Amadola wrote something and sent to us, and it just kind of fell on the floor today, and I picked it up, and I said, oh, I need to read this on the show tonight. So I'd like to share something that came through her, uh, and it's just so appropriate for this moment in time. To all the... To all who have ears to hear, a truth worth telling. The time of reconciliation is upon you. You might think of it as your judgment day, although I tell you it is far different than what you've been told through your stories of religion and false beliefs. We always knew this day would come in the far and distant future, so we and many like us traveled the world and performed an ancient technique where we inlaid the light upon the land. In that light and the pathway of the stars that were followed, we seared into our beloved lands the power of remembering. Why, you ask? Why would you do such a thing? Our people were great seers of the stars. They understood the future and the past by looking up at the stars and following the old ways of instruction. This was a method given to us by the great timekeepers who needed precise understanding at all times of these patterns. It helped them move to and from our world and when they were here on earth walking among us. So we were given a mission of laying the codes of the sun into the soil and letting the Telerac energy capture their magic and create anew. It is there, beneath the soil and rock and sand, that the placement of future instructions was seeded. And now many of you for years and even decades have walked in these places you call sacred sites retrieving these ancient codes of understanding. This is part of how we speak to you now and come to you pouring forth our knowledge and wisdom and mastery so that you would benefit by our advanced knowing of this time at hand. This time at hand has much change and conflict for you and even chaos to come. And yet, from this disorder, new patterns will emerge in your heart and brain and nervous system must recalibrate itself accordingly. Are you ready for such recalibration? If so, if that is your choice, and you do so willingly, understanding this time of great change, then I tell you, you must move deeply within yourself and purge all the false narratives you've been told in order to forge a new instrument of life within you and around you. There is much working against you at this time, forces of insidious evil trying to keep you from making this leap that so many of you are destined to make. It is the time of completion of the great work as you know it, the great work of transformation from what we once knew in the land of Kim. So I ask you, what must you lay down, leave behind, and walk away from at this time? Surely you must understand the need to let go your limitations of mind, body, and soul. Surely you must reach to the heavens and pull the stars close to you, breathing in their magic and might. On the exhale, breathing out the old ways that are now obsolete. Breathe in deeply and allow your hearts to align with the great central sun. Allow your brains to entrain with the cosmic rhythms filling your atmosphere. There is much to be gained by emptying your minds, minds that are filled with nonsense on a daily basis. Put aside your modern devices and reach your hands up to the sky, to the stars. Feel the wisdom trickle through you. 
your DNA will recognize this wisdom, for it is within you. If you feel a tug of war within you, if you feel the need to shed more skin, then do so and smile. As the gift of the new light, the everlasting light is now upon you. It is your choice to begin to sense and embrace the new spectrum of light and knowledge that is here. It calls you now. So especially at this time, when the light begins to return in your world, breathe deeply and know this light is the light you have worked so tirelessly to receive unto your body temple. Breathe in this peace of home. Claim your star tribe and let it be known that you're ready, willing, and able to receive your ancestral soul. Trust your intuition and prepare for the leap. Mary Magdalene, December 19, 2017. I just thought it was kind of strange that these papers just kind of flew on the floor for me to pick up today. I had not seen these papers since I saw them back in December. And because of what's happening in the world, I just felt a need to read this to the to the group today. So back to you, Ariel, and have Ann come on. Okay. I had just chills running all up and down me when you were reading that, and it's <laughs> I could never get tired of that one. Yeah. So let me go um, get Ann's mic open. Okay, there we go. Hello, Ann. Welcome to the show. It's Hi. Good to be back. Hi there. It's great to be here, as it always is. Well, hello, Ann. Oh. I sat with your book all weekend. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I love it. And I Thank have so you. many questions I want to ask you. But first, let me just start by saying you've written this book called Life in the Hollywood Lane. This is your fifth book. And right. tell us uh, about what inspired you to write this book. Well, I lived in L.A. and I was a talent manager for a little bit. And I just loved it there. And unfortunately, one of my actors committed suicide, much to everyone's surprise who knew her, much to everyone's shock. And... About a year later, I, this story about her, based on her, it's not, I didn't know the actor very well, so my rendition is complete fiction. Um, but her story came to me, and I wanted her to still be the hero, of her, the shero of her story, no matter how her life ended, no matter how her journey came to an end. And so I wrote it as the perspective of her best friend. And in in real life, um, I was good friends with this woman's best friend. So this is another complete fictionalization, but um, I, the story wouldn't let me go. <laughs> well, the thing that I thought was so incredible about the book was it gave you insight to what really happens when you go to Hollywood and try to make it as a star. Right, right. I fell in love with my actors, and I just think the world of them, and I'm in awe of how hard they work and how much rejection they put up with and how they just keep going out and going out, audition after audition. And they're such tender creatures 
but they're also deeply spiritual. They have to draw on this deep well of emotions to feel things legitimately, genuinely, because if they're not feeling it, then the audience won't feel it. And that's what makes a really great actor is really feeling the words they speak, the actions they take. You know, I had a thought uh, a few days ago as I was, I hadn't started reading the book yet, but I was looking at the title, and I started thinking about the people that um, are in the ethers and waiting to be born and deciding on their destiny and what they want to do when they come down here. And I really feel like there's a whole group that gets together to decide to come down and portray themselves in actors, actresses, in storylines that are going to help people remember past life events. Right. Yeah, it started coming to me that there's a lot of planning ahead. Uh, Ever since the the film industry started, um, that there's been uh, periods of time when we had a whole group come in that kind of looked alike, kind of acted alike. Are you saying, are you catching what I'm trying to say here about yes. that? Yeah, absolutely. It seems like every decade has a group like that. They look alike, sound alike. It could be sisters. Yeah, and, and you know, during the Elizabeth Taylor time, there was a lot of uh, brunette, uh, blue-eyed uh, actresses that came along about that same time. Right, right. During the Grace Kelly time, there was a lot of blondes. Yeah. And and the redheads. And <laughs> it's like, I think there's really some kind of planning that goes on to um, help evolve our planet to allowing through the uh, the drama for people to relive maybe some past lives or be activated in in ways to help them either clear their karma or or just go forward. Right. So that's what's that right. kind of been on my mind as as I was getting ready to read this book. I started thinking about that. So as I started reading it, I it, it became more clear to me that what I was thinking was probably true. Right. Things in here that you kind of reference something close to that. You don't really say it, but you just kind of nod toward it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So tell us a little bit about the character uh, uh, and and give us some in-depth description of your character. Well, Trish is the main character. Um, She comes from Wisconsin. She had a very sad childhood. Her younger brother died, and she retreated into books and movies and she was very ugly as a child and then all of a sudden blossomed in her late teens, so much so that her own mother sent her to Hollywood. And she arrived in Hollywood with just this passion about making it, and she threw herself into acting classes, workouts. She did everything she could for years, for two decades, and during one of her first auditions, she met her best friend, Cindy, who um, who grew up in L.A. and also was trying to make it. And they did have some success, um, as Trish says, maybe enough for the pocketbook, but not for the soul. Um, they really wanted to make it. And right, Cindy had a whole 
bunch of things go wrong right before she turned 40 or was supposed to turn 40, which is kind of the cutoff age for acting. If you haven't made it by then, I mean, people still try, thank goodness. But um, as Trish says, 40 came and went for her, but not for Cindy. She killed herself the night before her 40th birthday. So, and as I said, I didn't want Cindy to be a tragic figure. Um, She dies in the beginning of the book, but she's still there throughout the whole book in flashbacks and little vignettes here and there, everywhere, really. Um, But it's mostly the story of Trisha's grief and coming to find herself and realizing how... um, their relationship hadn't been that healthy, and in a way they were holding each other back. And, of course, because I write it, wrote it, and I write love stories, it has to have a love story in there. <laughs> so that's always my favorite part to write about. And how does this um, see her, uh, this hero's journey, how does it parallel your own life? Well, I... I've had a dream that I've held on to for years of being a writer, and it's finally happening. One good thing about being a writer is it doesn't matter what age you are, and you can be you can finally make it in your 70s or 80s or maybe even your 90s. Um, so I've been holding on to a dream for decades, and it's finally happening. And I do write a lot about how to manifest how to hold on to a dream and see it come alive. And so that that's the main parallel. I have family in Wisconsin, so that's where Trish is from. And my sister-in-law said, when, she, when I told her I had my main character from Wisconsin, she said, well, of course you made her perfect and virtuous. And I said, no, <laughs> nobody wants to read about someone who's perfect. So she has her foibles and she has her challenges, and she overcomes them, just like I did, just like we all do. Well, Trish's grief, it seems very real. Could you comment on that? Sure. Um, I've, I've, not only did I lose my actor friend to suicide, but another dear friend of mine committed suicide years ago. And so this has been something on my mind a lot over the years. Also, my brother um, has a neurological disease, and he's slowly, slowly dying, and I go to visit him several times a year, and I was writing this over a couple of my visits, and it's real. My niece wrote a piece for her college magazine, and the way she phrased it, because he's dying so slowly over years, um, death came to camp out at our house. So that, I thought that was very profound for a 20-year-old. Um, so, I mean, that that grief is alive right now. And I've lost many family members and friends over the years, too. So it's, so it's real. Yeah, yeah. But you've, you've written um, several other books. You, you, you have a... Uh, an attraction for love stories. Comment on that, please. What brings you to the point of writing about love stories? I love love. Love is just <laughs> so cool. <laughs> um, my last book is called Spellweaver, and it's about a woman during the burning times, a healer who 
came in knowing who she is. I mean, we all, many of us aspire to be what she came in as. And she went out um, forgiving the witch hunter. And she has a very brief love story in her story. Mostly it's the love between her and her sister and how much the townspeople loved her and how they were all complicit in her death by not standing up for her or them. So that's a more general love story, even though there is um, an interlude there with her and a wonderful man. And then the story before that, my book before that, is called Angels on Overtime. And that's really based on my story of meeting my husband. Um, He wrote a list of 40 things that he wanted in his next and last wife. On On the day his divorce was final, he wrote this list. And it was specific one-third physical, one-third spiritual, one-third emotional intellectual. It was things like she's at peace with her world. She has blue eyes that sparkle. She is between 5'10 and 6 feet tall, and I'm 5'11". So, so, <laughs> Did he put down red hair? Well, he wanted long hair, dark, so... <laughs> It was. I wasn't. He didn't say red, but he got long and dark hair. <laughs> so when we came together, and I think I mentioned this in my last interview, we met on eHarmony, and we were matched on June twenty first, two thousand six, and we met face to face on July fourteenth, and we were engaged on July sixteenth. And I was living in Topeka, Kansas, from a little tiny surfer town in California by July 21st. So, I mean, we came together. We were it. We we were brought together by a force so much bigger than us. And when we came together, oh, the last thing on his list was she has her own list, and I meet all of her criteria. And I did, and he did. Um, still does. <laughs> so I was just picturing these angels with computers trying to get the two of us together in Topeka, Kansas, and Northern California. We would never meet. And so one said, well, there's this woman in California who fits all these things, but she's married. Oh, well, how married? Well, the day he wrote that list, I ended up having a conversation with the unseen beings in my bedroom because I was married. I said, well, okay, if it's time to leave, you're going to have to make it obvious. <laughs> and they did. So anyway, I, that, that's the story of all, all the unseen beings who could have helped two hapless humans come together, all the beings behind the scenes, but then there's an even bigger thing behind that scene. So and that's the, I won't spoil the ending, but <laughs> that's that story. So that's that's a love story. And then the one before that is um, Mary Magdalene and Yeshua and as a love story and with an alternative ending than the standard. <laughs> So are you are you working on a new book now? Something else? Are you just going Yes, to- I have two going. One is about a walk-in who ends up on a farm in Kansas. I know you'd like that coming from Oklahoma. <laughs> and um 
The other one is about three generations of women, a hippie ex-flower child grandmother, a transgender granddaughter, and the woman, the mom and daughter in the middle who drives a Buick and voted for Trump. So that should be interesting. <laughs> so those are... I, don't usually have two books going at the same time, but I do now. <laughs> well, it's just the time for that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever asked you this, Anne, but ha- have you had some um, uh, ET encounters uh, in the last ten years that you know of? Well, I had my encounter with the blue people in Mount Shasta, the little tiny blue people. Tell I told us about, you about that. Well, I was taken inside the mountain a few years ago. I was hiking with my sister, and she came and said, do you want to go over here? And I said, uh, I'm inside the mountain right now. She said, oh, okay, I'll leave you. <laughs> I'll let you be. And they loved me up like I had never felt love before in my life. And I said to them, I'm a very spiritual person. I have that down. What I don't have down is life in the 3D realm. Do you have any answers about that for me? And they said, love more. And I said, well, duh. And they said, no, no, we mean love more with every bite of food, with every breath of air, with every sip of water, with every word you say. Infuse it with love. And that was their message. And I've had other things over the years, but nothing, nothing, I mean, I've never met ETs and walk-ins that I know of. I've had some ideas about, but not that I really knew of. The the story that you're writing about walk-in in Kansas, is it a male or female? Female. Female. Yeah, yeah. I need to talk to you more about this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I've got a Ph.D. in walk-in, so you need to call right. me <laughs> if you get stuck on, on any descriptions of walk-ins. Yeah. Right. No, I, I wrote the whole story in my head over the last weekend. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. So, um... Well, where do we want to go with this now? Um, When you finished writing this book, did you feel like that you came to some kind of true understanding about people that do take their lives, about suicide and and what it's about? Was that part of the way with I do. I mean, as I said, I lost a friend years ago, so it's been something I've thought about a lot. And I do think, you know, that every soul has a choice at any moment and that it's not necessarily a bad choice. I mean, I don't think anybody should go out and do it. Um, I do think there's a timing to things, but um, that it's not a tra- it doesn't have to be a tragedy. I mean, we are eternal beings. We've been here forever, we'll be here forever, and this is just a blip on the radar of our eternity. So it's it brought me a lot of peace around 
my friends who have taken their own lives. Also, I saw James Von Prague, and I fictionalized this in the book. Um, he was here in Denver, and one of the people who came to him as he was standing up on stage um, was a young man who had taken his own life, and he wanted to tell his parents that there wasn't a thing they could have done, not a thing they could have done, that it was his decision, his choice. He wanted to do it. So that that brought a lot of peace, too, and I did add a fictionalized version of that to the book. You know, when I finished reading it, I thought, I wonder if she'll write another book about this same soul coming back and really making it in Hollywood. <laughs> oh, what a great idea. <laughs> I do want to write a sequel because Trish, Trish is still with me every minute of the day. She's just fabulous. Yeah. So we'll give that some thought about her coming back and and completing what she was unable to complete before. Yeah. No, that's a great idea. Well, that happens with a lot of people on the planet. They do get to come back and, and complete um, missions or complete right. assignments or whatever it is that they were unable to complete from another lifetime. Right, right. And, of course, we've got a lot of walk-ins now that are stepping in to actors and actresses that mm-hmm. are um, really, you know, uh, completing some of their assignments from other lifetimes. Right, right. So, so you might want to add that to your walk-in story. Yeah, yeah. It's a great idea, too. I've got so many books, <laughs> so little time, so many books. Now that A friend of mine said, you write a book faster than I decide what to cook for dinner. I said, at least you cook. <laughs> I don't cook much. <laughs> I write a lot. <laughs> so, Anne, when you grew up, did your, did your parents... Um, were they metaphysicians? What kind of religion were you raised in? I was raised Catholic. My mom was going to be a nun. Um, wow. <laughs> and my dad talked her out of it. <laughs> we're glad. So otherwise, we're five of us wouldn't be here. Yeah. So, but she, she, um, for a good Catholic woman who wanted to be a nun, she gave me my introduction to alternative thinking she told me about reincarnation she told me about the convening session between lives for souls um she's the one who gave me the idea that mary magdalene wasn't what the church said she was so she she put these ideas in my head she died um many many years ago and but i still feel her with me all the time so um, do you have your, your book up on Amazon? How can people find your book? It's on Amazon, um, and I do have a distributor as well, but the launch day is tomorrow, so if people want to buy it tonight or tomorrow or whenever they hear this message, that would be great. Buying a book around launch time can really help launch a book. Um, so it's available in Kindle, and in paperback, and I'll be doing the audiobooks soon. I love doing audiobooks. Oh, my goodness. Are, are you doing your own um, audio for all your books? Yeah, I have one for Mary, Mary's Message, and Angels on Overtime. And then I don't know if you can hear it, but I have braces now. 
I'm going to wait until they come off in a couple more months to do the other three audio books. Okay. Okay, good. Yeah. So There's one thing I'd like love to, to read about, um, about manifesting, because um, that's a lot of what the book is about, following your dreams. Um, and here's what Trish says, how to manifest. Be crystal clear about what you want. Set the intention that what you want is here now. Give thanks that it's done. Take care of your affairs full on, no slouching. Go to the gym, pay your bills early, things like that. Life doesn't reward shirking or laziness or malingering. Enjoy the rest of your life so much that you don't need it. Whatever that it is you're waiting for, live in gratitude and as love. Just create a life so wonderful that the dream, the relationship, the part, the whatever, is the rose on the icing of the cake. It's coming. Just enjoy now. That'll help it happen faster. And it won't matter if it does or not because you're happy with life and yourself now. That's all that really matters. You know, I I like to mark up my books, and there's one... Uh, line that I underlined that I wanted to read. It was on page 30. But sometimes we fade out the voice of the one who loves us the most and listen only to the voice that we've trained to pull us down. Yeah. That was a pretty That's quite a line. Comment. Yeah. It isn't, I mean, yeah. really, that's just, that's profound. It happens to so yeah. many, so many people. So I encourage everyone to um, get this book, Life in the Hollywood Lane, a novel by Ann Crawford. And we'll be looking for your next book. I know that you're writing two, so I don't know which one will make it first, but we will always be happy to have you on our show. So at this time, I'd like to uh, uh, pass you over to my co-host, Arielle. She has the switchboard. I don't know if anyone wants to call in and talk to you or not, but but you're available to answer questions if so. Sure, sure. So, Anne, love to you bunches, and we'll talk later, honey. Okay? Bye-bye. Thank you, Lavender. I love you. You too. Okay. Back to you, Ariel. Okay. Well, um, if anyone is already on our switchboard and you have a, a question or comment for Anne, then you'll need to press 1 on your keypad so that um, we know that you want to come on the air. And if you're listening on the computer, then uh, you need to pick up the phone and dial uh, 917-889-8292. And then once you're in, press 1. So uh, if you have any question or comment, uh, just let us know. So, Anne, um, I wanted to talk a little bit more about that encounter that you had Inside the mountain, inside Mount Shasta. How long ago was that? That was New Year's of 2014. That's fairly recently. And yeah. um, is that the only time that you had been there? No, I'd been there many times and had meditated on the mountain many times with people who had been inside. And But it never really happened for me until it just did that time. And then I went back to Mount Shasta a couple of years later with my husband, and I saw them again. And then they sort they stayed with me since then. They 
they weren't with me before that. I mean, I could think think of them all the time if I wanted, but now they're kind of with me in my field. And people have said they're Lemurians. I, I'm not sure what they are. They're just love. Well, the, uh, the reason that I asked was because I, I had, uh, I had, I didn't know that that there was an interior, you know, and it, and it was kind of an ethereal interior that you're talking about, rather than you know physically going into a cave or something, right? Right, right. And do you think that um, they're the same beings that that you encountered the first time, um, as yeah. well as the second time, and that that have now um kind of energetically stayed with you. Yeah. Um do they do they guide you or do they yes. inspire you? Yes. You know, well you their answer the, is always the same. <laughs> when I ask them questions, they always go back to that love that that's really the answer to any question I have. Um I was going to a friend of mine was taken inside the mountain and when she came back out she had spots all over her clothes just so she could know that it really happened not that it was just something in her head um and I have other friends who've gone inside so but you're talking about etherically going inside yeah, it's yeah. not a physical Entrance. Yeah. So no, I was still sitting by a tree on top of the, on on the surface, physically, but etherically, I was taken inside. Oh, that's and then for this friend that you were talking about, um, when she completed her her visit, her clothes had become spotted or stained yeah. in some way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, she had big spots on her dress and she thought it was just that they wanted her to have proof that something different, something had happened. It wasn't just all in her head. And when you went there with your husband, did they, did you encounter them again? Yeah, I did. I did. Um, it was snowing then. Um, so we just sat in the car, but I was still taken inside again. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. Uh, and from what you've already said, I suppose that uh, he was on the same beam um, in accepting and understanding what had just happened. Yeah, he's he's very special that way. He he's very very spiritual and um, much more grounded than I am. <laughs> so we make a great pair. But yeah, no, he, I can tell him any of this stuff, and he understands it. He gets it. Well, it's great to have someone someone support like that. Yeah. So, and yeah. you know, speaking of of grounding, um, that that's something that a lot of star seeds have uh, a challenge with, because mm-hmm. you know, being fully embodied in the third dimension. Um, you know, keeping both feet on the ground, uh, literally, uh, it can be quite challenging for a lot of star seeds. So, how do you, um, how do you manage with that? Um, the main thing I do is try to eat as well as possible. If I eat a lot of sugar and processed stuff, I go crazy. If I eat really clean, I'm much more grounded, and um, 
working out is the I work out regularly and uh that helps a lot too. So the better I take care of myself, the more grounded I can be or or am. And that's another thing in in the book Trish talks about how she was the missing link when she first got to Hollywood and she had to take lessons on how to be in this thing she lugs around this body and how to stand up straight and land in her feet and I mean so that's definitely another part of my journey too and is coming to land in this body I had an energy worker years ago who sent me to a someone who does the Alexander technique and the way she explained me to this other woman was she's new in her body (laughs) (laughs) oh that's very true Yeah, well, you know, being being a, you know, having having one foot in the third dimension and one foot somewhere else, uh, there's something mm-hmm. that a lot of star seeds um, deal with, and you know, making sure that you are fully in your body can really help you um, um, handle the third dimension and and thrive. Right. But it, right. But it's yeah. Um, I guess the point that I'm trying to make is that um, when you feel like you don't belong here, think of it in a different way. That, and this is what I tell people in in my readings: think of it like dual citizenship, where <laughs> you can you can you can kind of um, visit two dimensions, and and there's a wealth of of understanding, inspiration. Uh, that can come from the upper dimensions, but it's it's our job to to ground that, to make it real, to bring it into the third dimension as we bring in those higher frequencies. Until the third dimension right. isn't quite isn't quite so much like you know walking through wet sand. It's you know right. it's dense, challenging, and um, keeping your eyes. So much of what you said, it's like oh my gosh, that is that's so. That's so great. I mean, you, you've got to keep your eyes on the on the on the goal, on your intent, as if you already have it. Mm-hmm. You know, so easy. It's so easy to to get into the um, oh, what's the use? Oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, you know, all the things that you know goes through people's minds. That's really disempowering. And, right. and I I have to wonder where does that come from? Because right. it's not well, our it's not our natural state. Right, right. It, we're trained to think that way. And like Lavender quoted from the book, we, we're so used to fading out the voice of the one who loves us and listening to the one we've trained to pull us down. Just, you know, the church churches taught that, teachers, parents, not meaning to, but so so much of society trains us to think so little of ourselves. Two other things I wanted to add about um, being grounded. One is I drop a grounding cord every morning when I wake up. That helps. And then another thing that a naturopathic doctor friend of mine said, and this is the cheapest way to, to get healthy, is to just put your bare feet on the earth and it, earthing and just ground through your feet into the earth and take up the healing properties of Gaia. And so those two things are would are would 
help star seeds tremendously. Oh, absolutely. And putting your back up against a tree, you know, and yeah. feeling your feet on the ground and, and that 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 strength, you know, and that the what am I trying to say? The the steadiness the the yeah. of of a tree yeah. with its roots going down, you know, who knows how far. Um, that passes up through the trunk. So if you can, you know, stand up next to a tree, put your arms around the tree, that that always works for me. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So um, do you have any um, um, interaction with um, the young kids? Uh, do you, you don't have children of your own? I have two stepchildren. Um, they're older now. I mean, when I came on board, they were 15 and 17, and now they're 28 and 30, so I've seen them change a lot. And one is transgender. Um, that's where the transgender story comes from. That's another real thing that's happening in my life. Um, he's a He's a guy now, so I have two stepsons. That that's been an interesting journey for sure. But and, I, when, it, when it comes to um, because the the kids that were born um, after 1980, um, which are um, you know in their 30s and 40s now, but then the kids there was another wave, you know, the millennials born after the year 2000. There's just there's something so advanced. And and different about them, and I'm right. just wondering, you know, how can we help them to um, not get sucked in by the by the programming that comes through the TV, through the cell phones, um, helping these kids to become who they came here to be. Yeah, and the video games that makes killing just seem commonplace. It's just unbelievable. Um, my stepkids are definitely special beings. Um, as far as, I mean, all of that generation, my siblings' kids, they're all incredibly wise. I mean, they seem to know at their age what it's taken me this long to get. Um, I mean, they're teaching us as much as we can teach them. I think just holding the space and loving them through all of their expressions is the main thing. Well, and and realizing that they do have, you know, special abilities, uh, a mm-hmm. different perspective, and mm-hmm. honoring that, honoring right. that just because, yeah, I mean, I mean, thinking back, you know, when I was in grade school, um, I, it was a totally different time. And, and yeah. I had no inkling. I had no inkling about the things that these kids just know. Um, right. You know, like you said, it, it may, it's taken, taken me years to um, to really get a, a hold of the big picture. Not that I'm completely, <laughs> completely there yet, but... Um, it's just it's really um encouraging to know that that these kids are, are on the planet and they are gonna take us forward. Um mm-hmm. 
but we have to protect them from the mm-hmm. from the programming and the you know the, like I said the, especially the the cell phones and the TV and the uh, you know when I I'm driving behind a school bus and I see the kids get off every single one of them has got a, some kind of device in their hands. And mm-hmm. did, you even, did you even notice the flowers over there? <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, it's it's the, their potential is so great that we really have to protect that. Um, you know, as adults, and whether they're your own kids or someone else's, um, right? And right. and these the skills, like you know, your book, the visioning book, you know, is about manifestation, mm-hmm. helping them to remember what what this is and how to how to really command it. It's not really all that hard, right? But, right. Um, you know, I mean, it's just keeping your focus and your your frequency on on gratitude as if you've already got what you want. Right, right. Yeah. So, um and where manifesting our dreams is a service to humanity. I mean, it's not a selfish thing. When we're happy people, when we're doing our thing, giving our passion, living our dream, we are of great service. There's that quote that the world doesn't need more people, um, more successful people. The world needs more people who are living their dreams, living their passions, which is, you know, is successful in its own right. Right, but it's the um, the definition of success that needs to change. It's right. not about, you know, the number of your bank account. Um, or the you know the the balance in your bank account, um, because how how many people you know that are just really well off and they're miserable? Yeah, yeah. you know. So it's it's really not about financial success, but spiritual success, being happy with your life. And, right. And if there's things you know if there are things in in someone's life that um, that they want to get rid of, then you can just see your life without that and move away from yeah. what we all have free will and it's like okay right. um, you know i'm done with that and you know whatever the situation is um it's out of here yeah it sounds yeah. i mean it sounds oversimplified but it really is a choice like okay i'm done with that and and i'm not going to participate anymore yeah yeah and like my little guides say, everything can be an expression of love. Every step, every breath, everything. And we get so busy in our days, that's the last thing we think of. We're just rushing off to the next thing. But coming back to the love that we are and the love that lives in every atom in all of infinite space and time is what we're here for, awakening that love, sharing that love, being that love. Well, that creates peace in your life. And mm-hmm. and that's, that's, a, that's a good thing to spread around. Yeah. You know, I mean, no matter what someone might be dealing with, uh, you know, in a, a situation, some drama in their life, if you can't smile at a stranger or, you mm-hmm. know, help someone who's, you know, 
drop in their grocery bag and it just just little things is it's all right. about sharing that that you know compassion and and the oneness because we are all connected so just as you would want someone to you know give you a hand if you're struggling with the heavy load you know give someone else a hand and and then that way we are holding the light and uh, and I've said this to Lavendar many times that you know holding the light on the planet is so simple but people try to make it very complicated you know it's just living living every day in gratitude that's why right. I, I mean I always I always when I close the show I say you know count your blessings find something to be mm-hmm. grateful for because mm-hmm. we really have so much especially you know in in the United States um we have so much that we just take for granted Right, you know, right. Like you, know, you can, you can you know, get your clothes washed and and get your you know food refrigerated and and you don't give it a second thought about the people in the world that don't have that. Right. So you know, right. taking little things like that for granted. Um, there's plenty of things that we have that we can give a moment of of thanks and gratitude for, and then that just right. lifts us all up. It just lifts us up to yeah. the next level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Remember, I was flying out of Zimbabwe once, and I looked out. I was looking at a magazine in the seat back in front of me, from the seat back in front of me, and I was looking at all these diamonds and yachts and all that kind of stuff. And I looked out the window, and a woman was beating her laundry on a rock by a muddy river. We were just taking off, so we weren't that far up yet. And I thought, are we even on the same planet? We have so much, and so some have so little, but they still have joy and peace. Some, a lot of them, some of them, many of them, um, because they're connected to the earth in a way that a lot of people in the Western world aren't. Right, right. And to that family and connection wisdom that they keep that a lot of us lose in our modern lifestyles. Well, I, I was looking at, at the your um your description here that I've written up for the for the show and it says high flying, deep diving, all literally. So, <laughs> high flying, I mean that's you know, flying in airplanes, is that what you're referring yes. to? Yes. And and deep diving. Have you done scuba diving? I mean, what is deep diving for you? Scuba diving. I'm a water person, and my husband's an air person. So we did we did ground school and all that, and learned to fly planes because he that was his passion, and we took up scuba diving because <laughs> it's my passion. But we both love the other one. So yeah. Okay, yeah, I, when you said it was all, all literally, I thought, wow, I wonder if that's, you know, scuba diving and, and flying airplanes. So Yeah, <laughs> I would love to help people, you know, fly planes to get people and animals out of danger zones like flood zones and stuff. I mean, we're still student pilots right now, but someday we'll be full-fledged. <laughs> well, you know, that's taking a passion or a hobby and turning it into a valuable service. I mean, yeah. that'd be great, you know, to help airlift people out of danger. 
Right, right. Yeah. And even with the scuba diving, cleaning up the oceans and doing that kind of work is something I would love to do as well. Oh, absolutely. Have you ever seen a, a, a TV show called Blue Planet? No, I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. You know, if you can find it on demand, um, it's just it's it's a show of absolute wonder, and it's all about the 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 ocean, the deep ocean, and mm-hmm. uh, they said like we know more about the surface of Mars than we do about our own oceans. Yeah, and that's I mean it's it's so true, and the the photography is like National Geographic. Um, quality, it's mind-boggling the kind of technology that they have to go down, you know, miles and miles under the water um, and right. capture life. That it's like it's like nothing. It looks like another planet, and the yeah. life that is there, the consciousness. So, um, kind of a long description, but if if anybody, if you can get Blue Planet, and then there's Blue Planet Two, um, it is just thrilling Mm. to see the wonders on our own planet that we've never even been exposed to yeah the coral one show that's all about the coral reefs i'm sure you'd love that one yeah 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 so Anne, um i want to just recap a little bit here your website is annecrawford.net your most recent book, Life in the Hollywood Lane, and then your um, previous books, uh, Spellweaver, Angels on Overtime, Mary's Message, and Visioning, How to Create the World of Your Dreams or the Life of Your Dreams. And and there are two more books coming out, so yes, you are prolific. So keep <laughs> up the good work. Keep up Thank the good you. work. And when, when, you're, when, you're, um, when your next book comes out, be sure and let us know. And we'll have I you will. back on and talk about that. Yeah, walk-ins from Kansas. <laughs> <Be good. laughs> and I've Looking lived in Kansas. <laughs> oh, you have lived. That's right, you have lived in yeah. Kansas. Yeah. Yeah, a heartland. Yeah. Well, it has been a, it's been a pleasure having you with us. And, Thank um, you. encourage everyone to pick up one or all of Anne's books. You're a great writer. And you have the books on your website as well as on Amazon, uh, two of them well, the, audio books. They're, they're links to Amazon, so they're basically on Amazon. Okay. Uh, and as I mentioned, tomorrow is the book launch, but if you want to buy it tonight, that's great. And if you hear this days down the road, that's fine too. Any, any um, purchases help a launch tremendously. They can really help launch a book. Okay, well, calling all star seeds to support <laughs> Anne and um yeah, give you a, a really good send off for your for your book launch. Um and yeah, most people um as I you know track the stats for the show, um Wednesday is probably the biggest day for um for listening. So when mm-hmm. you're hearing this, if it's already Wednesday, um Go to Amazon if they just type in Ann Crawford or um, Life in the Hollywood Lane. I'm sure you'll find it. Yeah, definitely. And is <clears throat> is that on Kindle as well? 
your new book? Yes, Kindle and paperback. And soon audio. Yeah, I love doing that. Excellent. Yeah, well, you've got the voice for it. (laughs) Thank you. You do have the voice for it. And thank you for having me on the show. It's always such a joy to... Just get to hang out with you all. You're you're doing phenomenal service on the planet. Thank you for all that you do. Well, you're so welcome. And thankfully, um, there are a lot of people doing good work. And we've yeah. been privileged to have a lot of them on the show. Yeah. So, yeah, I love you. Well, you take care. And um, we wish you the best of luck, although you probably won't need it with your new book. <laughs> Um, and it'll just fly off the shelf. Thank you. Thank you. You're so welcome. So that is it for us this evening, and we um, invite you to come back next week for another great guest. And in the meantime, remember to be grateful every day. Find things to be grateful for, and you'll help to bring in more things to be grateful So until next week, take care, everyone. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. 